0: You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest-growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And
1: now your host, Dr. Ward Bond.
0: Donovan Chapman joined the United States Air Force at the age of 17, and his family's legacy of service runs both from both World Wars to Vietnam, and he himself served in Kuwait in 2000 in support of Operation Southern Watch and served in Afghanistan and Uzbekistan in 2002 and 2003. Now, during his time of service, he suffered spinal, nerve, and TBIs requiring multiple surgeries and reconstruction. But he was told he would never sing again, but the Lord had a plan, and where there is no way, well, He makes a way. And Donovan Chapman is an open book in his songs, many of which tell stories of our military veterans as well as those who serve in law enforcement. He is here today to talk about his service to our country and community and overcoming hardship and surrendering to God's way, as well as his brand new album, Brotherhood, and the new single, Highway Patrolman. So without further ado, let's welcome the toughest hombre in country music today, Donovan (laughs) Chapman. Welcome to the show, brother.
1: Well, that's a heck, that's a, a tough name I got to live up to. Is the toughest hombre, uh, but <laughs> but yeah, it's so good. Thank you for having me, man, and uh, I really appreciate you, Doc, having us having me on the show and working with our team. And it's an honor to be here. Been well, it you is it, for it your is. shows.
0: Well, thank you so much, and it is great to have you on. I mean, your story is so inspiring and so motivating. But I want to step back a little bit because. Your family has a very long history of serving in the military. Can you kind of give us a bit of that family history?
1: Yes, sir. Uh, <clears throat> my great grandfather uh, served in World War One. He lost his leg; uh, was an amputee in World War One, and uh, he came back to North Louisiana. My grandfather Thomas and broke over four thousand acres, you know, working with that peg leg. And uh, he, uh, my grandfather, served in World War Two. And my father served in Vietnam and was injured there in Vietnam by by a ricochet bullet, and my myself and my little brother served in Afghanistan, and I also served in the Southern Washington, in Kuwait. Um, so we, we have a lineage of all the males in our family serving, and even um, even on my grandfather's side, from my Hawaiian side, uh, my grandfathers and great grandfathers served as well, and and go figure that both my grandfathers from my dad and my Hawaiian side their birthdays were on Valentine's Day this week
0: wow that that's pretty interesting to know now i understand that you were severely injured what happened
1: well the pararescue job it you know this special operations rescue component of the military were it's pretty demanding job and i I've, I've got hurt on several different events overseas from being under a helicopter on what we call the penetrator, which is a device lowering by the cable that we would do a rescue or a hoist. It's a hoist out. Uh, got hurt on that, got hurt on um, some boat operations. Uh, it's just been it was a totality of several and several events and in pararescue we're so undermanned. Um, And because it's a 98% attrition rate to get through our training, we have the highest attrition of any special operations in the DoD, because it's a two to three year pipeline of training, you have to go through every special operations style school there is in the DoD. And so we're war, you know, our bodies go through a lot. And when you're when we're deploying We're deploying so much because an aircraft cannot fly the special operations, your SEALs, your Green Berets. None of this can happen if pararescue is not staged by a rescue scenario to be able to either free fall in, to be able to scuba in, to be able to repel in uh, from, from any fixed wing and any rotary aircraft. And so you can imagine doing this with a very heavy med ruck and a very heavy radio and a very heavy loadout of ammunition and weapons and all your medical gear for yourself. With all that weight, you are going to get hurt more times than you think. And what we do is we cover it up because we don't have sit call in a forward environment. You know, when we're doing special operations rescue missions. We don't have a sit call. And we know if we lay up, and if you lose a limb, if it's something like that, you're dealing with a major head injury, but a lot of times TBIs, you don't know until it's later on. Um you, know, you report it once you get to a stable location, but we have to pick up and keep moving, or my buddies not gonna live, or this pilot, or this green beret, or this seal, or this CIA personnel that we're rescuing, they're not going to live. So we have to press through our injuries. And what happens is, is later on in life, it usually hurts us pretty bad. And we got to go back and get a lot of surgeries. And we've had deterioration of spine injuries. And most all of us have degenerative disc. We've all been multiple fused, um, and a dozen surgeries. It's just a lifestyle that we deal with when we come out and, um, it's, it is what it is.
0: So, you know i was trying to read cause these things just i get so interested in the trainings like the navy seals and all sorts of things and what they have to do but with a rescue, that's what you you know how to rescue when it comes to to the desert to the arctic to the ocean to the jungle and i mean with navy seals green i guess green berets you know a lot of their missions Aren't they? They're pretty much top secret. So you guys are basically—are you shadowing these guys? Or are you on standby j- just in case one of them have been injured?
1: We also can shadow and be pre-staged in an alert scenario, or we could be embedded or <clears throat> pararescue. One good thing about PJs are we are trained to be able to jump in on any team and just fulfill the medic on a special operations team now every and the and the thing about pararescue that i love um and that people of other branches respect is we're the quiet professionals uh we're talking about it now because we're explaining it which I, we want to do but you don't really hear a lot about it because we're the quiet professionals and there ain't many of us there's only been a couple thousand so it's not many of us ever been and we're creating in vietnam uh, but the seals and the green berets we respect highly. I've trained with those guys. I went through special operations medical training courses, the green beret, 18 Delta medic course and seal corpsmen, PJs, uh, recon corpsmen medics and ranger medics. We go through that course and it's a great course, um, with a lot of some wild training all the way from live tissue to severe training so that when we get into combat, our first hands on an actual living body, Will not be in combat. We will have worked with live tissue a lot to understand compensated, decompensated shock. Those two things is the trick to triage, being identify compensated or decompensated shock. So, I know that's a lot to tangle on there, Doc. Well,
0: it, well, it is, and you know, and that's the reason why I want you know, especially the American public needs to understand that we have units like this men and women that will put their life on the line to either rescue or or treat somebody who is injured and getting them back now you said about all of this gear you guys are are carrying so if one of you are actually injured in a mission and you and then once the mission's over you go to the hospital like you said it could be multiple surgeries are you allowed back into the pjs once you are fully healed or does that kind of change the element
1: that, that is a very tricky one. So it depends on if you can pass, if you can recover and pass a flying three class physical, which is the most intense physical. Now there is a story of one pararescueman who's my mentor and who is the pararescueman of pararescueman, Scotty Guerin, Scott Guerin, he was on SIL team six there's pj's working with SIL team six as well a lot of rag or at the jsoc and he trained them on cricothyroidotomies which is a way to cut into the airway the day before his incident and then <clears throat> on he free fall the next day with the team uh, another so collided into him and scotty was knocked out without a parachute and he hit the ground at over 100 miles an hour without a single parachute free-falling from over 10,000 feet. Um, those seals from 6 that were on the ground went and gave him a crike from the instructions that he taught him the day before. And Scotty had a near-death experience. He, he flew with three light beings, and I've actually written his song, God, I'm Not Ready to Go Yet, on our nonprofit, Freedom Sings USA. So he didn't die in that free-fall? No, he almost, he broke nearly, he broke every bone nearly in his body. His head was this big around. You can look at it online, Scott Garrett, and he's a blind guy. And his head was, I mean, it was horrific. He still went through months and months and months and months of reconstruction surgery, got out of the military, put in a package, to come back in pararescue, fought and fought and fought and came back to be a PJ again after two years. And that is a story of stories. To hit the ground without a parachute, falling over 100 miles an hour, break every bone in your body, have the most TBI of TBIs. He's got suppressed lungs and everything, but he was able to get back in. He had some good people he knew, but Scotty is a great is a great leader. And when he came back in, his first parachute back was a malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> well
0: i hope he i hope well i guess he lived through that one too
1: <laughs> he lived through that one he's just like and he talks to the rats because they damaged his vocal cords doing the cricothyroidotomy. he's like you know Chappie, i was jumping back in i was like if i've got to do it i've got to do it now let's just get off this ramp and jump and he goes i'll be damned if i have a malfunction on the first jump after my freaking you know i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. wow man
0: they got they need to make a movie about him
1: yeah yeah he's he's a very interesting beautiful man um and i love him to death and so it there's there's so many injuries like this we have quadriplegics paraplegics um there's just like i said doc is so many ways that you can hurt yourself or get yourself killed or um just get hurt in the operation just you know just getting down to person or getting back in the helicopter. And yet we always have to be thinking outside of ourselves swivel, uh, and ahead uh, on our swivel and always going through the scenarios of what can go wrong. What can happen when this helo gets into the site where I'm going to do a recovery, what can go wrong? What is the opposition? What gear do I have? How can I maximize that? Am I coming into, I thought two patients or is it going to be 13 or is the guys that are there defending those that are shot, are they already killed and dead? So you never know. And that's the training and why it takes two to three years so that you can be able to make split decisions and not hesitate. Hesitation will get you killed. You have got to be able to not hesitate, commit to your job, commit to your actions, and get the job done the best you can and stand behind your brothers.
0: Well, you know Donovan, I've heard uh you know stories of like Navy Seals. They're literally trained to be killing machines is how it's usually put. But with pararescue, you are put in there strictly to save, correct?
1: Yep. When it hit, when the, the uh uh-huh hits the fan, we're the ones that they're going to call if it's that bad. Um but yeah, that, that is right. Seals are very professional in what they do. Um, the best that I believe that there is in how they pro how they work, how they train. And we've trained with them a lot. And they had that, that counter respect for us. Cause they know such as, um, the two PJs went in and got Mark Latrell from lone survivor. They went in and rescued him. That was two power rescue men. Uh, Mark's very thankful we're very thankful that Mark's alive and other survivors just like him. Um, I when I was there I went in and rescued two CIA guys that were pretty messed up and it was one of the longest nights of my life. Um won't get all into it, it's pretty mm-hmm. deep, but um yeah, I, I had to infuse blood on a guy and carried him out and he was missing both legs and arm, abdominal arterial bleed, hemon thorax, deflated lung, um it, abdominal viscerations. <clears throat> this is the worst scenario that could have been. And he lived. And he was uh, working with the CIA there, and he lived through it. But I was in the back of that helicopter when we were extracting him out, and I can tell you right now, me and my other pararescuemen, because uh, there's two PJs in the back, two gunners, two pilots. Um, I we're praying. I was like, man, what do I do? I mean, I've got a I've got a diastolic dyestol- of of ninety bouncing around, high end blood pressure. This guy's missing both legs. We got tourniquets the best we can. He's got a deflated lung. He's got a, a shot through his butt coming out of his hip. Look, he could put a grapefruit in the front side of his hip. He was missing an arm. He only had one arm um, And this abdominal arterial. bleed looked like a football sticking straight up out of his below his xiphoid process out of his stomach, and, you know, and I prayed and prayed. And I and um, I, you know, we follow our ABCs, our airway, breathing, circulation um, to a point. But we also can go around because every scenario is going to be different. Well, I almost gave him a chest tube it was through his fifth, sixth intercostal space and and was going to relieve that lung and repressurize that lung. But I was praying away and I was talking to God. I was, Come on, God, we got to do this. And just what? Oh, just, you know, stay calm. We got to just looking at the body, staying focused. And something told me, don't chest tube him. Don't do it. Something is not right. Hold him at 90 systolic and get the blood infused into him, two pints of O negative, RBCs, packed with blood cells, that I'd already expanded into a fluid. And when we got to this little mash site called Oregon a little safe house site, uh, we went in and the doctor went for the abdominal arterial bleed and said, go ahead and chest tube him now. And I've slung my weapon, took my helmet off and <clears throat> rotors are still turning. And uh, he goes, why didn't you chest tube him? I said, doc, <laughs> I just, it didn't feel right. He goes, well, you saved his life because the negative pressure from the hematoma from the deflated lung was clotting off the abdominal arterial bleed. And I was like, whoa, are you kidding? He goes, no, the negative pressure from that lung was blocking that abdominal arterial bleed from getting bigger. So you saved his life like that. And then my gunner comes running in and goes, we got another mission, Chappie. We've got to go. Um, And so two Apaches were coming out behind us to give us gun support um because we were in, coming into a hot zone and they crashed following us to back us up so then we took off on a second mission in the dust storm early morning the hours of the night maxed out and our mental p- i mean pushed hard um and then our backup helo we had had two helicopters uh, we were first in on the first mission the second helicopter was going to go first in on this one they grabbed the Constantino wire and crashed in the perimeter of Organy, and so we were stuck out there and then the two apache pilots died um, and so we were stuck out there to work in E for a good while. And we just, so what we did is we just jumped in with the Green Beret team there and worked with them. And it's just what we do. Well, so do you, that,
0: has there ever been missions to where you use your training
1: uh, to save civilians? Absolutely. We work, uh, my my uh, supervisor, one of my supervisors, Mike Maltz, Master Sergeant, and my other troop that I had, Jason Plythe. Um, after I got out, they went in to rescue two children who stepped on a landmine out from Kandahar um, and they crashed into the top of a mountain while on the refueling behind the C 130 refueling on the probe. Um, they hit the top of a mountain and crashed, to doing rescuing uh, two kids. So we will rescue children, we'll rescue anyone. Um, if we feel that It's something we can do and still be able to provide the alert capability in location for those assets that need immediate possible rescue. So we have to fulfill our alert capability, but then we can also, if we have the extra, we can do it. We will work with civilians and pararescue also does SAR search and rescue, not just CSAR combat search and rescue. So we do SAR search and rescue, which is civilian rescue missions where there's been a lot of rescue missions done off the coast of Atlantic and Pacific by pararescuemen. If you watched the movie, the perfect storm, The man that died in the end that, that, that when they were ditching that helicopter, that was a pararescueman who was killed in the perfect storm that they never found. And he rescued those people that night. Then after they had the ditch because the winds were so bad, they couldn't refuel the helicopter. Uh, yeah, they ditched the helicopter and that one PJ was never found.
0: You know, it, I think, well, the American people need to realize how big a sacrifice The military does for our country i mean because like you said it's a split second decision and Mm -hmm. and it's literally life or death and Mm -hmm. you know i can't even imagine how many pjs have actually lost their lives trying to save you know other elite members of the military or even civilians and you know we we need to be covering all of the PJs out there, as well as the rest of the military, in in daily prayer because you know you're telling, you're sharing with us some stories about things that you know we we have no clue ever happened. I mean, if you're going in to save two guys from the CIA, the CIA is not even going to acknowledge that ever happened. So <laughs> you know, no. so we know that you know. So like you said, it, it's a it's almost like a, a quiet rescue mission. We, you know, right now there could be a, you know, a a bunch of PJs doing a rescue mission right now. We have no clue. We're going about our daily lives, but we need to be more aware of what really goes on. We don't need to know what the missions are about, but we need to cover our military as well as our law enforcement in daily prayer of protection and also in the areas of decision-making because it's, my gosh, just listening to you, I cannot imagine being under that much pressure carrying that much gear and having to having the mental capacity of just you know trying to make the right decision but i you know as you were telling the story about uh the one about the lung that is where the holy spirit comes in in the midst of all of the chaos and really save that man's life because it's almost like the holy spirit told you don't touch that lung and mm-hmm. And you know you can see a lot of God moments and things like that.
1: Yep, there is major God moments, and as a Christian, I'm a firm believer in that. And from God has had His hands on me for a certain reason, and all of us we're all on our individual pathway, right? Um, And such as you were talking about, um, me not being able to, you know, sing, and, and then had to save use of this, you know, this hand here, and it, you know, it that you got a deformed playing guitar with that. And I barely, I have hardly any use of this. And I had to learn to re play guitar again. And they scarred my vocal cords going in through, uh, to put to fuse, my neck and said, you're not going to sing the same way of singing at all. Really just warning you, it's not looking good. Well, I took a year and a year and a half. And I was going through a lot of recovery on, uh, going through the VA pill process and going through all that junk and, um, and had to get, work on myself I had to surrender I had to really break when I say breaking I'm not talking about breaking your honor or breaking maybe somewhat your pride but <laughs> it has to be breaking where what I thought my life was going to be and what I what I wanted for my life and had to realize this is not about me this ain't got nothing to do about me. It's about God. And I've got to learn how to surrender to that fact and put him first. And so that he can assist me and do the inevitable here and get up on my feet um, and go through rehabilitation uh, for mental health. Because it's when you want when, you know, those things, you may not think that they're going to bother you when you get out, but you get on down the road a little bit and everybody's emotionally different, right? Everyone's pain is real. And It's going to catch up with you. And that's where I would say people out in the public, for them to to generally pray for us, I would love to tell them, look, don't think of us or me that I've done something so crazy different than you. I would say when you're at your hardest and you're having a hard time and you're you're really struggling with your with your insecurities or your egos or your, or your health or whatever it may be know that you're not alone. And I'm, I'm there too. And I I go through it all the time. We all have to deal with it. Everyone's pain is real. There's really no separation of us as humans on this earth. We all are dealing with the same pain and the same suffering. It's just the ability of how do I work through pain and suffering or PTSD that will eventually bring me in to the victim mentality and bite me hard. And so I, my life is consist of three S's every day. I will struggle every day. I will surrender to the Lord every day and talk to him and I will succeed by the time I lay my head down and go to bed. And if I can live my life that way one day at a time and not get ahead of myself, then I'm going to be okay.
0: I love that. Struggle. And the three S's again, it's struggle, it's surrender, and and success. I love it. Well, Well, let me ask you this because
1: how did you get your voice back? I just had to work at it and I had to talk and I had to start just like I learned to sing. I had to start singing pitch and just sing. I had to start hitting pitches and just working and working with my throat and redeveloping the muscle. Uh, And believe it or not, it came back stronger than it was before. I don't know if it's resting against the plate right or something, but I came back. I've got like, maybe it's the bionic voice. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm that good of a singer, but I'm saying that I'm better than I was before on my prior record deals. I guarantee you that. And I know who I am. And I'm glad that all these things happened. I'm so glad. I'm glad that the Lord put me through it. There's always been a reason for every little piece of it. As long as I'm looking and focusing back to God and focusing on humanity and helping others, there is always a reason for every little thing that's went on in my life or big thing. And I'm not victim of it. There ain't nothing I'm victim of in my life. I'm so proud of every bit of it. And some people go, oh, yeah, you talk about that rehab. I'd be careful how you said that around here. Oh, why? Why? You can't take that from me. You can't take it from me. And they go, he wants to own it. What the hell's wrong with him? And so, yeah, they stigmatize rehabilitation in all its efforts for veterans who are self-medicating. Talk about those veterans like that and your law enforcement that are that are not able to come up and say, I'm having mental problems. I'm, they're dealing with. Their jobs right now are it's it's horrific. I was just on the phone with my Texas Highway Patrol brother last night, who I wrote Highway Patrolman with and for and for to help his son with cerebral palsy with half publishing. And he was like, Man, I'm 14 days on the border. I get a day off. I'm back 14 days on the border as a highway patrolman. He goes, Does anybody care about us out there? What we're doing? No one, he goes, We are slaving, and taking baby white bass. We're doing everything we can. He goes, he said, it's just absolutely horrific of what's going on. Um, And so I I feel for those law enforcement officers and I have a brother's a state trooper as well. Uh, So I feel for them. And they're also in the military. It's kind of like the military now as well. They're they're put on the borders. Um, So law enforcement has my heart. The military has my heart. People in general who want to get help and want to make this world a better place, and not live in their dysfunction and not sink into that victimized mentality or who just need to accept awareness of their own issues so that you can seek the first step in recovery. We're all here in some level of recovery. And anybody who's going to say that to me going, hell no, man, I ain't never no care. I will really not have to be dead before I do all that. We'll see you soon. I'll talk to you soon. Because um, you will have your t- everyone gets their test in life. Right, Doc?
0: That's it. Well, let me ask you this because I was reading some of your history, and you had a couple of record deals, especially one with Curb Records back what two thousand and three, and then it's, but you had just uh, what come back from Afghanistan. So did the record contract come back come in after you got back from Afghanistan?
1: Yes, it did. It came in after I got af- Afghanistan, and uh, so it, it was a. Uh, it was, it was, I, I was working, uh, recording songs up here for a good while, probably a year and a half after 9 11, dealing with just losing guys because we started losing men on our team as soon as we started going into Afghanistan. And so I was dealing with that well, with writing. So that was a way I figured out how to, you know, process these emotions and just get it out of my head, get it on paper, be the observer of the music, of the song, of the story. Um, And so it got to Mike Curb, and Mike Curb signed me to a seven album deal. And it it was good. I I mean, I didn't know how to be a civilian. I I I went in at 17. Here I am coming out of the military with a beard and long hair from being in Afghanistan embedded. And I'm like, what, you know, what am I, how how do I do this? And so I I trusted a lot of people. And this is a business that you better be really careful who you trust.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, you better be careful you trust. I got along well with Mike Curb um his wife Linda and the people there at Curb is just uh the industry's full of sharks and it's full of uh dysfunction and it's highest caliber um, I would say you know Entertainment and country music's right up there with politicians in Washington. <laughs> I believe that <laughs> it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty. It's something, you know. If you if you got a hit, you're in the top ten. Oh, your jokes are so funny. They're calling. They're ringing you all day long. Oh, <laughs> he's such a good guy. But when you ain't in the top ten, you couldn't get arrested if you're running down Main Street naked. I mean, <laughs> well, you had you
0: had a couple of hits in the top Billboard 100
1: yeah i had uh, I had four top sixties went on curb in category five and um uh one when it was a radio and records charts back then they had one two charts that and billboard i was thirty eight then billboard i got to forty two the majors and then i had three top sixties as well uh with them and we just we have a one in the billboard indicator activator right now i, th- I believe it's still top sixty highway patrolman. But, it, you know, it's the radio world is a it's a tough world yeah. and terrestrial radio. And um, I it was a growing experience for me back then to go radio tours for years at a time uh, with Curb. Uh, and I met a lot of nice people out there, uh, but the industry has changed and there's yeah. ways that you have to work with to break your music um, with a good team and a good strategy in the big world streaming. Yeah. So,
0: Yeah, well, let me ask you this, because um, your latest album release is Brotherhood. So tell us about that album.
1: Well, Brotherhood, uh, the song Brotherhood, where the album comes from, is about um, the men of pararescue and special operations. Um, And pararescue is nothing against um, females not being in there, uh, but there's no no females, never been one in pararescue or combat control, the other Air Force special operations component um so it's been a tight brotherhood of power rescue and what we do and put our life on the line for our brothers and um and that kind of sparked the idea of this album and i also um, when i was down in rehabilitations i was down there with several veterans uh who had their issues they were working on and one of the veterans was uh, by the name of mark Rao, and he's from abilene texas and mark and i wrote co-wrote together yet two veterans and revelation change as we were going through our surrenders and and talking to God and having our daily Bible studies and um, and it was a, it was a beautiful time I, you know I didn't want to leave because I knew I was right there amongst other veterans and civilian people who just were hurting and it, and it, it for once I felt okay to hurt I felt it was okay I didn't have to hide it I didn't have to play games with myself. I didn't have to stay in the poor me victim mode anymore. Well, is it hard? Is
0: it hard to be a pararescue, where, if you when you come home, and, and I can pretty much understand that mo probably the majority of the missions cannot be discussed. So, is it hard to be in a normal, let's say, a normal like a family environment, but you can't talk about anything that you actually do? And so, does it make it hard for a lot of those guys to talk about their hurts because of that?
1: Yes, I think there's several levels of, of ways to look at this doc um, there's there's you look to, as you just said the classified uh, level to where the level of guys go through and it's classified and they can't talk about it normally would they ever not even tell you, "I have something that I can't tell you about they would not even do that That would be totally. Kind of you know unprofessional way of doing it. They would just not let you know. But I would say the biggest thing uh, that pararescuemen and that deal with um, coming back is because of the workload while being deployed. You're flying, you're flying every day. Combat sorties. Your your go 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 is the demand. And what you see and having your hands in blood so much and having your so and so many brothers of ours. We took a large hit who passed away. I think the struggle is is when a veteran comes back and the VA system is still not prepared to properly handle in the therapy prior to just medicating pararescuemen and special ops guys and playing this westernized medicine game where they are oh, you check the box, Prozac, Lazapine, Sertraline. Well, butrin, let's keep it going. Oh, you got body pain? Let's drop full dose of gabapentin in you and give you a nerve block. Oh, you having problems sleep? Here's some Ambien. Just keep on stacking it up, man. Mm -hmm. The veteran's going to have enough problems communicating with his family, with dealing with post-traumatic stress, with the mind is reflecting in the past and recreating the past emotionally and chemically, rendering emotional response in the moment. And as a moment is expanding into his future, which what is his future? Is it limited? Does it have potentiality? It's going to be tough for them. So the future has to be always talk about to be able to have an unlimited potential future of success. We have to deal with these issues with our right mind, uh, you know, without all these medications, with with prayer, with therapy. And this is what we need to have for these veterans is more therapy, more songwriting programs, more action programs, but the veteran has got to want it as well. Um, But this is the biggest problem with people returning, just like Vietnam, the breakdown of being able to communicate with their families and their families are going to assume, you know, such as spouses. A lot of times it makes it hard on spouses and husbands. Well, I assume it's about me. He's not talking to me. He won't eat my food. I mean, he doesn't spend time with me. It's not the same man I knew. What have I done? That goes on a lot. And so the power of assumption and not being able to understand what the veterans are going through. uh, And it could come from a man's side as well for a woman who's deployed. It's people have to have the they need to be able to be pray about it and look at the bigger picture and take some education on this, get some, get some therapy education. Um, and to know that you cannot make it about yourself. You have to accept what these veterans are going through, that their mind has seen so much. Their adrenal glands are going to be affected. They're not going to have proper adrenal gland function. This is going to affect so many things in their body from testosterone to serotonin. There's so many things that get affected by the adrenal glands from dopamine. So, Doc, we could go on and on about that. But this is (laughs) I learned a lot of this from, you know, psychology courses in college and from going to one of the the best rehabilitation for mental health and substance abuse in the country. Uh, It was the greatest gift for me. And I continually build off that platform to help others and to listen to them. And if they're ready for the information to be able to make a transition to a better life, then I'll work with them. And that's what, you know, to go back with the album, if you listen to the album, there's a lot of talk of surrender, of getting on your knees, of hitting my knees, of saying, I'm done. Lord, what do we got? It's not my way anymore. It's your way. You built me. You put me here. You breathe me life. I am you. You are me. We are You are, you are within me. Why have I been making this all about me down here and going through this stubborn process?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I, you know, in surrender is a huge deal and but at the same time that's that's the growth process is we have to give it all to god i mean we're created in his image you know Mm -hmm. i can never i would never i can't even imagine the things you have seen experienced, had to do oh my gosh and and then to come back and where the general public you know if they see you acting normal they think everything's a-okay and not understanding that there is an internal mental struggle going on, and the VA hospital is not that well equi- equipped to even handle that, and there re- there should be, you know, um, private sectors to be handling more of the veterans' situations and problems that they need to be to need help to overcome, because the government do- doesn't do, do those things very well. We both know. And, you know, you listed all of these medications, and you're right. It's just more like just dumb them down, and uh, that way there won't be a problem. But, you know, the suicide rate is extremely high as well, and it's not just... And part of it is the service, the missions. At the same time, a lot of that medication is linked to actually encouraging suicidal thoughts and... That's why all of our veterans, even our law enforcement, need help. I I just recently interviewed a former chief of police, and he told me, you know, for 27 years, there's just things he will never talk about because of the things he's seen. And we need to understand that all of our military and our law enforcement, you know, there are just things that they're never going to talk about but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. They just need help. They need someone to talk to. They need the right therapy. And I agree with you 100%
1: Donovan. It's, it has to be a shift in mentality um, that this, this whole thing of, uh, well, well, it's a liability. If, you know, if he has to get mental counseling, even though two of his trooper buddies were killed and he, you know, in front of him or whatever, well, he just can't do the job. Well, that man needs to make a living. What about his family? We have to have a, um, a a new shift in how and and how we're looking into mental health and how this country right now hello the whole country is mental right now it's you know it is where you know we're putting probes on mars up there drilling for you know molecules of whatever you know and i'm all about that too but we're down here getting our tails handed to us by a microscopic organism (laughs) so you know (laughs) yeah you know, and, and then you got troops and now you've got stuff going on in Ukraine. There's things going on. I won't let it get me down. All I'm asking is, is people, government get real. Mm. You are human, too. If I could tell them you are a human, too. And you can't tell me that you're a robot and that you perfect function with no mental problems. And no and there's oh there's no communication problems in your home life. There's no possibility you've ever self-medicated. Mm, let's talk about that. Let's just keep on going. But you'll make the rules and you'll cut the budget for the VA. You'll cut the budget for your law enforcement. You'll defund wherever you can, though you can do eight hours, eight years in office and you're covered for the rest of your life. Shame on you. That's, that's right. What I no, that's I what I no, I agree.
0: No, I agree. I mean, they, they live. politicians live on a whole new – they live on a different planet than the normal people that they are supposed to represent, which we are the ones – paying their salary through all the uh, overabundance of taxes that we have no business paying in the first place. And my gosh, Don, we we could literally go on and on, but you're right. The system is broken. Uh, These men, even the women, they're broken and, you know, they need help and we need to be, you know, we need as believers, we need to show more compassion, more grace, more mercy. And like you said, You know, these people still have to find a way to make a living. And we need, as a public, to stop putting labels on them. You know, hey, they're a veteran. They got to make a living, you know. But at the same time, you know, I think anybody, anybody out there watching right now and even listening, if you are an employer and you're looking for employees, you need to be looking at veterans of our military veterans of law enforcement, but not just hire them, you also need to be that extended helping hand to let them know, I'm here to listen, we're here to help, because they they want to make a living, but you as an employer or a company, go the extra mile for them, because it's going to pay off for you it's going to pay off for them and their family in the long run. And I think we just need to have a whole different mindset, Donovan, to, you know, we got to take care of one another. That's what the Bible says. We got to take care of one another. And, you know, we just don't need to be passing these things off. These men and these women need help. And, and we're all responsible. They sacrifice their time. They sacrifice their life to serve America and keep us free. And we need to pay that back.
1: Yes, sir. And and I I will back that up too with something that when you when you show support to a veteran and get and, or a prior law enforcement veteran and you give them that edge and go I'm here for you I, I'll work with you such as a scenario you're saying I'll hire you to come work at my company. Listen, you've done great things for your country. I want you to be able to come talk to me. I know that. When you are going to be one of my best workers, you know, we're motivating here. You're going to be one of my best workers. You're trained. You've been put in scenarios. But here's the deal. I expect the same honesty. If you have problems, don't you know? come to me. Let's not we don't you know, I want you living that, you know, solid as you can, strong as you can, um, you know, and but I've got your back. But, you know, I think when you embrace a law enforcement individual who's prior or either who's law enforcement or prior military, there's a different bond there. When somebody shows them that they care, they want to work for you. They want to put out an extra effort. They want to, you know, do a really good job for you. Um, so that's to me seems to be the general populace. Uh, not I don't know if I can say all, but a large m- proportion of your veterans These are hardworking people because they they put in the training, the gut training uh, within themselves that was self-professional development to do what they did in the military. I mean, some people think, that no, we're just not drinking out of no toting plastic canteens and metal K pots on our head and smoking cigs and, you know, and left, right, left, right, tripping over on two feet. No man, this is this this military, you know, we have are highly trained professionals and. In the law enforcement too, I think um, there's being more emphasis put in the training, uh, so that we can you know prevent uh, bad things that happen. And and you know, Doc, listen, this whole thing too about law enforcement, I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all, one bit. You know, there's been some bad police officers. There's been some bad presidents. There's been bad shamans. There's been bad <laughs> school teachers. There's been bad people of all everything. But I'm not going to go back and say I'm not for law law enforcement at all, defund this and just no, man, I stand behind law enforcement. One hundred percent with my prayers. And if I could help in training, I will. Um, If I ever see anything going on on the roadside to where there needs to be assistance from a level of a a green level to a red level, um, I'll support what I can do. Um, I I think, you know, we got to get back to this without being everybody, you know, running around rebel, you know, going crazy, but we all have to police ourselves in our communities and yeah. each other. And policing each other, part of that is is caring for one another, not just looking in one mindset to what problem you've got with somebody or how much you hate them for this or that, policing up one another such as they, you know, my grandfather, my papa Southern Baptist preacher, he You know, it wasn't a day go by wasn't sitting in the community's house, dropping somebody some purple whole peas off or some okra or some fresh corn. That was part of policing the community, checking on people, praying for people. Everybody. We are one family down here. You know, this this the the way we've become divided, the way politicians and this media has created this, it's the fuel to the fire of what I'm against. Um, There is we have to learn to work together. We're humans here and we're going to have to because this earth you know, this is what all we got. Um, and as the native Hawaiian side of me, I'm very, I'm very protected of the earth and I'm very protective of what goes on with it. And we have to learn how to function. And this is, this about, I did not think this conversation was going to go this deep, Doc. You're, <laughs> you can get me going, man. And I know I'm a rattle box, but
0: I, no, man, I, no, that's okay. Cause I like to learn, I like to listen. I want to know what other people have gone through, how they overcame it. That's why stories like yours interest me so much because the whole the general public needs to hear things like this. They need to know what's really going on. You know, as you were talking, something popped into my head. So, ladies and gentlemen, the next time, if you ever get pulled over for speeding or running a stop sign or whatever, don't get mad. First of all, If you broke the law, you broke the law. But look at it in a different light. That law enforcement officer is not there to throw the book at you. He probably saved your life. You know, the Lord (laughs) protects us daily. There are things that we could get caught up in that we have no clue about, but the Lord took his hand and protected us. In a way, Mm -hmm. law enforcement needs to be looked at as, what what does it say on the side of their car? To protect and to serve, and guess who that is? That's you. So Mm -hmm. the next time you get pulled over for speeding, don't get mad, he may have delayed your trip a bit for a reason because sometimes the Lord could use a law enforcement officer to slow you down a bit so you don't get hurt two miles down the road. So think of it in a different light. Donovan, man, I could talk to you all day because You just, there's so much information inside of you, but I have to say that, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to buy, you know how I am when it comes to all of our recording artists, I want you to go buy the album Brotherhood by Donovan Chapman. Listen to the brand new single, Highway Patrolman. There's so many other singles on there. You know, there's Brotherhood. Uh, And make sure I got this right, Donovan. Uh, There's one called Cottonmouth on there, correct?
1: Oh yeah, that's a that's a heavy Delta blues. I'm a Louisiana boy, so if you like the blues, and I mean it's a heavy blues, Delta, go get you some cotton mouth on. And, and people can order the CD too through DonovanChapman.com or through so uh, through all the streaming platforms, but if they order it through my website, DonovanChapman.com, I will sign the album and throw a little gift in there for them.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Go to DonovanChapman.com. It's on the bottom of your screen buy the album. Stop downloading the music for free because you you have to realize this is the artist, this is the songwriters, this is touring, this is the roadies, this is everybody involved here, okay? Nobody gets paid on streaming. That's a freaking joke, okay? I mean, who wants to make 13 cents off of 2 million streams? That doesn't cut it, ladies and gentlemen. You gotta buy the album. Donovan will even autograph it for you and send it to you personally. So go to DonovanChapman.com, buy the album Brotherhood, and let's all be a brotherhood together. Support one another. Support our military, our law enforcement. But again, like Donovan said it perfectly, support each other. What do we need to do? God called us to love one another, to care for one another. We show that we care for one another we can change this world on our own without all them creepy politicians sitting around and watching doing absolutely nothing. So go to Donovanchapman.com, buy the album Brotherhood, and check out his brand new single, Highway Patrolman. And Donovan Chapman, I wanna thank you so much for honoring us with your time, the the stories, uh, your information. my gosh, dude, man. You're my brother from another mother. I can tell you that right now, man. You're just an awesome guy. And I meant it from the very beginning uh, that I Thank said you. at the top of this interview, you are one tough hombre.
1: <laughs> Thank you, brother. Doc, it's been, it's been awesome being on here with you, man. You are, you're you're amazing you know, host to talk with. I can't wait to meet you one day.
0: Oh, well, when you get on tour and you come through the Houston, Texas area, you better let me know. And I will be there so I can listen to all your amazing songs. And again, ladies and gentlemen, DonovanChapman.com. Buy the album Brotherhood. I'm going to say bye, 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 because that's, how we, that's what we do around here. And uh, so stick around, ladies and gentlemen, because we'll be right back after these messages.